0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today's topic is kind of a fun one. It's financial lessons from American Pickers. This topic came from
1: Kelsey. Kelsey's joining us this morning. Good morning, Kelsey. Good morning, Mary. I absolutely love this show. (laughs) (laughs) And when I need something to watch, that's just, you know interesting and educational and, and, you know, growing up in Iowa, the fact that these boys are from Iowa, um, it just really appeals to me, but I got to thinking about it and I'm like, there's a lot of cool stuff you can learn from, from watching that show or from just thinking about what they do and applying it to, to maybe a, a retirement, uh, job or income or just you know there's lots of that's cool stuff so I'm excited about this one
0: (laughs) so for those of you who don't know what American Pickers is it's kind of a combination of a road trip cross-country tour of America and what they're doing with the stuff that they encounter basically would you expand on that any differently
1: no, I mean, they're, they're they're pickers, so they go into people's property with their permission, obviously, and find things that they think that they can sell for a profit. Um, and it benefits them because they're able to run a business off of this, and it benefits the people they're buying from because it helps them reduce the stuff they have and give them some cash to do whatever they feel like doing with it. So um, it's just a really interesting show. So basically, I think one of the bigger lessons that I get from it is
0: that one man's garbage is another man's gold. Absolutely. Solid gold. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's true, especially in a population that's aging, right? Mm-hmm. Because some of us have things in our basements or attics or buried in our garages that we haven't used forever and we really don't have any use for but watching that show tells us that oftentimes we really don't know the value of what we have.
1: Oh, you don't, know, a lot of times. And it's something that you purchased for very few dollars or, or cents even decades and decades ago. And now because it's either rare or it brings nostalgia for some people or the sky's the limit on reasons why it might be valuable, but it, it has a lot of value. And I, I have conversations with people frequently who are going, you know, I just, just the other day, one of our customers is, is moving out of state to be with their children and retirement and they're going through their home and they're like there's 35 years worth of stuff in my home and I'm not really sure how the best way to go through it is um so it's 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 definitely um something that a lot of retirees deal with if they think that they're going to move or um people who are looking to to just downsize in general
0: one of the other lessons I
1: think that I take from the show
0: is don't judge my appearance so You might have the most raggedy outside of a place, but you don't know what it's housing inside. And, I I mean, that's probably a much broader lesson than we can cover in this show. Not just a financial lesson. Not just finances and, (laughs) and possessions and selling things. But, you know, if you think about it, you know, the people on American Pickers have enough collective experience to know what the potential of the entire place is, usually right after they walk in it. Wouldn't it be nice if we all could do that? <laughs> but I think that they tend to discover gold in what other people think is a waste of time. And so it's kind of knowing your stuff and knowing what the value of this stuff is.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: So what's the next lesson, Kelsey, that you want to talk about?
1: Oh, I like number three. Get to know people. American Pickers are friendly but businesslike. And I just... <laughs> Again, I I come from century farms. I have both both sides of my family, um, the haggerty side and the McCoy side are century farms. And you don't you don't have long-standing businesses like that without treating people with respect and dignity. Um, and you know, your handshake is your word type, type uh, places that I grew up in. Um and all of that has to do with getting to know people. It doesn't have to just be a a pure business transaction. You could get to know people and get some really amazing stories while doing and and running a really good business. So I um, think that's part of why I like this show is that you get to hear these people's stories and get to understand what they've seen in their lives. Um, just this weekend, I was um, back home and my dad was, we went to the cemetery to to visit um, some, some grave sites and my dad pointed out one and he said, this guy here, he was in the CIA. And he um, was a, a, a pretty high-ranking military official in the World War II, hmm. the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. Oh, my. And I just – this guy and – and my dad asked if I remembered him. I'm like, of course I do. But he wasn't family. He, he was just somebody that um, my dad had done some business with over the years and had learned all this information about him. So um, you, the, people are just as much of a treasure as the actual stuff.
0: I think that's very true. And I also think that when you own a treasure or when you have a collection that you treasure, it is very meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. It often becomes less about the monetary value of it, and it's more about the emotional value of it. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking to buy or sell things like American Pickers do, a lot of times you find that people who are emotionally attached to their collections are only going to sell those to somebody that they think is going to value it as much as they do.
1: Mm -hmm. For a lot of people, it's not necessarily about getting the highest dollar, but about having the story be passed on. Yes. Um, and we, you see that a lot, um, with people who have been collecting for a long time. And so, um, again, not always about the the bottom dollar, um, but about, about honoring it.
0: Yes. Very much so. Okay. So another thing I think that kind of goes along with honoring that story is not to be so quick to part with pieces of your family history. So I think in the world of digitization that we have today and where things are, you know, efficiency and store them in the smallest possible, you know, space and things like that, that sometimes people think that all of the value can be stored and even replaced digitally. And a common thread, though, among collectors that you see on that show is that the memories attached
1: to the items are what connects them to their family. That doesn't surprise me because you can't feel or smell something that's digital. Right. Um, and sometimes it's the feel or the smell that, you know, gets gets the memory there. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised by that at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: memories matter. Now, mm-hmm.
0: I'm a big advocate of, like, taking your photos and getting them digitally stored because – they can be easily destroyed but i still think that there are certain photos and photo books that are just nice to have that tangible holding on to you're more likely to grab a photo book with one of your grandkids and sit down and talk about things than you are going through it on the computer with them absolutely Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, And today we're talking about financial lessons from American Pickers. So we talked a little bit about the show and what are some of the emotional lessons and things like that that we've learned from the show. But one of the other things is this could be a really good money maker as a hobby or a job for someone during retirement to supplement their income.
1: I love it. The beautiful thing about retirement is you can take something that you enjoy doing. And if you've developed enough knowledge um, about how to turn that into some kind of financial benefit then it's something that you can do to supplement your retirement income or um pad the legacy that you want to leave or or (laughs) whatever the case (laughs) may be so this might be something some people find you know very similar to antiquing only (laughs) this one has to do with selling -selling the (laughs) mm -hmm. the things that you get um and it and it's definitely a a manageable thing for some people
0: So the number one tip if you decide you want to go into this type of thing for yourself to earn a little extra cash is know how to move your inventory. So even before you begin buying, you've got to be sure that you can sell your items at some kind of decent profit. So you're going to want to develop your network of either online or in-person venues where you can actually sell
1: your stuff. Now to circle back to one of the, the previous things we talked about, talking to people it's this it, it you have to build a network of people because you just never know who you're going to find that's going to, or what you're going to find that you're going to want to sell. And you hear the, the Mike and Frank on the show talk frequently about this person they met on this pick. They know that they really like bicycles and they, they have a, a, a way to sell the bicycles or somebody who really likes, um, toys or many other things. So you want to, you want to think of every person as you meet as somebody you could potentially sell to and understand what it is that they might value. So you can, as you buy something already have the seller in mind another thing is you
0: really need to do your research so I think luck plays a part in success (laughs) to some degree but I really think that hard work and research
1: is what generates most people's long-term success yeah it's the difference between you know short-term success and long-term success I would agree and so um when you're when you're buying and selling things there's two things that can look very similar, but there's a lot of details that can come into which one's going to bring a better profit or which one is is more special. And, and where I think... <laughs> The most interesting one on American Pickers is is the toys that Frank buys. He loves toys. Well, he can tell you right away what toys are old and what toys are, are more um, recent reproductions. So, again, having that really specific knowledge and research um, that you do can mean the, the difference between a very small profit or a very, very large profit. Right.
0: So I was sitting with my parents, and they had a dish that they had— um, they had given me. And there was a note from my grandmother on it that said that her mother was given this dish as a token of appreciation for caring for a sick neighbor. And the dish was given to her back in 1890. Ooh, that's old. <laughs> yeah. And so of course my mind was like, Oh my gosh, this must be really valuable. Let's look and see what it's worth. And so we had to like look on the back and there was some like imprinted stuff on the back. And you know, I, Apparently, I'm getting a little older. I had to get the microphone and a light out because I couldn't really read what it was. And then I realized, well, part of the reason I can't read it is because this is in a totally different language. <laughs> no wonder I can't make out these words. So I wrote down the, the letters of this. And then my mom and I typed them into the Internet. And we found that this plate had this stamp on it that basically meant in German that it was before copyrights were created. So basically that stamp was used before patents and copyrights were even a thing. And so that told us what the era was of it and where it came from. And then we looked for other plates in that era. Now, the moral of the story is the plate was worth like, you know, $9. But (laughs) (laughs) the experience that I had with my mom figuring this out was just a total hoot. It was a lot of fun. And um, that's kind of a special memory, right? Yeah. But in any effect doing the research to figure out what something is worth is a huge part of
1: making a venture like this successful. Absolutely. And not, some people have stories passed down through their families, but they're not accurate and you need to pay attention (laughs) and you need to know your stuff. Otherwise your business is not going to thrive very long. And I'll give you a good example here. My, I have a family member who, who gave us a Bible. That's the family Bible, which I just, that, that means more to me than anything inside of that could mean. But they said they keep family keepsakes in this Bible as well. And one of the keepsakes that was specifically mentioned to be careful with was some Confederate money. And this money had a long backstory of where it came from and and that it's very valuable and things like that. Well, a quick internet research by myself found that that specific serial code uh, or serial number on the the money is one that's been reproduced many, many times (laughs) (laughs) along the way. So now I was talking with a good friend who um, deals in money and things like that, and I mentioned this, and I kind of chuckled, and he's like, well... Even though that's the case, it might still have more value than you think if it was reproduced long enough ago. So maybe not be an official... Um, piece of money, but sometimes even really old reproductions have value too. So um, the the moral of the story on that is just to do your research and and make sure before you make a conclusion either way on whether something's valuable or invaluable, make sure that you have enough information to make a good assumption there. And research
0: now is actually pretty easy to do. I mean, you can even just use a site like eBay to do quick and painless research to figure out what the going price for something is Mm -hmm. it's a it's a good source of information another tip though is to generalize so in a lot of business it makes more sense to just niche but if you're going to do this type of business it's really going to help to have a broad knowledge of different types of categories of collectibles and hot items and knowing what's hot now is important too Mm-hmm. I think because you can spot something that's hot rather than not, and then you're going to be able to move your inventory a lot faster.
1: Mm-hmm. Get dirty. So to be, to, to do things that have never been done before, you've got to go where nobody's ever gone, I think is the old, the old, uh, adage. But, um, frequently in, in the show, these guys are climbing on to very dangerous things and coming out covered in cobwebs and, um, lots of, uh, things like that and, That's true. I mean, if you if you're just going to look over the surface, you're not going to necessarily find valuable things. But if you're willing to dig a little further to things that maybe have been untouched for a while, you might find some really cool stuff.
0: All right. Once you've done the dirty work and you've gotten all your stuff, you need to have figured out what your minimum profit margin is. So when you come across something, you have to decide, is it worth your time to actually do anything with this? So if you can't make $10 or $15 or $20 off an item, is it worth your time to do? Or can you put it into a lot with something that maybe you're going to sell a box full of stuff and you can make that kind of profit. Mm -hmm. But for you to have it be worth your time, it's not just maybe you should take everything. But if you do take everything, you've got to figure out a way to still hit your minimum profit margin.
1: Yeah, and this is if you're a person that really likes thrift stores or secondhand shopping and things like that and you're going to try to um, make a business out of that, this is one you really need to pay attention to um, because not just purchasing something at an inexpensive price or a deal, is that it's not the only part of the formula it's how do you go from that point just selling it and all the steps that happen in between to make sure you're still profiting in the end right and one of the
0: worst things that you can do is to buy emotionally right so if you're going to buy stuff to resell it if you have an emotional connection to it you're probably not not going to be pricing
1: it right yeah you're going to price it too high or you're going to buy too high Mm -hmm. on the on the original purchase and that's that's something you see people, oh, I had this when I was a kid or the, whatever. It gives me these memories. And then you're not thinking um, rationally about your profit margin anymore.
0: Yeah, I think emotional buying is the quickest way to kiss your profit margin
1: goodbye. It is. It is. Very much so. And, and you see that in lots of different things, um, you know, I, I see this a lot with car buying. People are like, "Oh my gosh, I love this car!" and doesn't can you just see me driving down the road in it and things like that? And it's like, then pretty soon you're going way above the price that you wanted to pay for it. So exactly.
0: The other thing, though, that you can run into a problem with this type of of business is keeping the things that actually appeal to you instead of reselling them. Yes. And then all of a sudden, your garage looks like you're a hoarder. You can't. Yeah, you
1: can't. You can't be a collector. And a seller at the same time. You have to be one or the other. And so making sure that you keep your um, things that you're going to keep for the rest of your life in check. Otherwise, you're just going to be spending all your money instead of um, collecting money. One of the things that you're going to have to get really, really good
0: at if you decide you want to do this and become a picker is you need to learn how to
1: negotiate. I'm horrible at this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think negotiation is kind of a lost art. And I think a lot of people are terrible at it because yeah. it feels like confrontation, right? It
1: does. And my husband and his family, they are fantastic negotiators. And... Um, I, my only negotiating skill is like a cold stern stare. Like (laughs) I I have to, I, I can give no emotion. That's, that's my only tactic and, and it doesn't fare very well. Note to self, next time Kelsey gives me the cold stare, I'm going to know that she doesn't have any more tactics left. I've got nothing. So, but it is, it's an, it's a lost art, but you have to be good at it in this business because The people on the other side of the table are likely going to be very good at it. And you're trying to keep your outgoing expenses down and your incoming profit high. And so both sides of your business, both the buying and selling things, has negotiation that is going to to occur. So being ready for both sides um, and being good at that is important.
0: But remember, too, that most people think their stuff is worth way more than it is, right? That's like a common denominator. Especially if they
1: don't want to get rid of it yet. Sure. So Mm -hmm. – but, but part of the negotiation is, is going back to if you are really going to do that um, item or that collection justice, that's part of your negotiation sometimes is, um, you know, this is going to be used in a way that will honor your family. Mm-hmm. There you go. You just have some uh, bargaining chip there. Remember, though, that the art of
0: haggling is designed to go back and forth with the number changing, right? That's what negotiation is, is somebody starts low, somebody starts high, and you meet somewhere, hopefully in the middle. That's what negotiation is. So if that makes you a little sick to your stomach this might not be the best
1: route for you. Or you might need a partner that's really good at it.
0: <laughs> exactly. Now, one of the things that I that I experienced recently um, that's somewhat in the line with this is um, there is a local woman who created a business um, and it wasn't by picking, but it was by collecting the used stuff that people wanted to get rid of. And then she's selling it and she gives the... 50% of the profit back to the person who gave her the item. And then she keeps 50% of the profit. And let me tell you what, there was no haggling there that this is the way it is. <laughs> this is the way she ran her deal. But what was fascinating about it was she took all the work out of it for the consumer, right? So literally all I had to do was pack up bags of stuff that I no longer wanted. I called her, she came and picked it up at a pre-designated time. And And she photographs anything that's worth photographing. She has eight different venues that she sells online through along with a couple of local places. And so she has become an expert at knowing where to place stuff. And her whole goal is to try to get something for everything, even if it's just a few cents or it's going to go into like a box that sold as a lot. But I thought that was a fascinating business model because it made it easy on me and I get 50% of the profit instead of that stuff just sitting around cluttering my house.
1: I love it. Absolutely. Because things that sit around will take a lot. They might fall out of value. They might come back into value someday, which is what some people do. Oh, this this baseball card I got in 2018 is going to be really valuable someday. Are you willing to hold on to it long enough? For it to be super right. rare and super valuable, and maybe, maybe so, maybe not. But um, keep that all in mind.
0: So, if you're ready to profit from picking, pack your work gloves, a flashlight, maybe some hand sanitizer, and some cash, <laughs> and go hit the road. We've hoped you've enjoyed this episode of Money Guide with Mary Stirk